Betty. Good to see you guys. Drew and Christy. Stacy. Probably some more I can't pick out, but it's really good to see you guys. Good morning once again. Um, if you'll turn in your Bible over to Romans chapter 3. We are going to be there once again. And as I promised last week, we're going to talk about the good news a little bit. Romans. Will God's surprise and missions justified by faith in Christ alone? The title of the message this morning. This week I got a newsletter from Wycliffe Bible Translators, and it talked about a translator, his name's uh, Lee Bramlett, and he's a translator in Cameroon, Africa. And he's translating for the, uh, I can't say it right, but I could say it like 20 minutes ago, but I can't say it now. So you spell it HDI, people group. Um, and he is really troubled over finding a word for love, is searching for God's footprint on that culture, if you will. And he toiled over it and finally went back to the translation team and the, the community elders. And he asked them, he said, could you divvy someone? And divvy is their word for a type of love, and it's spelled D-V-I in case I'm saying it wrong. And they said, yes. That would mean that a wife had been in love, had been loved, but now the love is gone. And one of the things he learned while he was there translating was that all of their verbs, or the most of their verbs, ended in the letter I, A, or U. And you school, school teachers, and probably that probably means something to you. Um, and that first word, divi, D-V-I, meant just that. It's, a wife that was once loved, but now she's not. The love is gone. Then he asked, um, could your life, could you diva your wife, DVA? And they said, yes. That kind of love de is dependent upon the wife and her actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and cared for her husband well. And then he asked, could you devoo your wife, was DVU, and everyone there just laughed. And they said, of course not, they said. If you said that, you would have to keep loving your wife no matter what she did. Even if she never got you water, never made you meals, even if she committed adultery, 
you would be compelled just to keep on loving her. No, we would never give you, it just doesn't exist. And Lee, thinking about John 3.16, asked him this question. Could God give you people? And after four or five minutes of silence in the room, tears began to roll down the faces of the elders of that community. And they finally responded. They said, do you know what this means? They asked. This would mean that God kept loving us over and over, millennia after millennia, while all the time we rejected his great love. And he would be compelled to love us, even though we have sinned more than any other people. A pretty powerful explanation of God's word and people learning what God's love is. One simple vow, the meaning of the words changed. It's not, I love you based on what you do or who you are. It's, I love you based on who I am. I love you because of me and not because of you. Today we're going to see the righteousness of God revealed. So in Romans chapter I'll begin reading in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the deeds of the law is the knowledge of sin. But none, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. There is no difference. Verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare him right, his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past though the, through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, with the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. So we do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish it. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word.
And we thank you that you've revealed your righteousness through faith in your word. And Father, we thank you that you have revealed your love and your mercy and your grace through your word. And Father, we ask as we take this next few minutes to think about your grace and how you justified us through faith. Father, we just ask that you'd open our hearts and minds to your word and see you as we've never seen you before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sometimes there's a, one thing that the law cannot do. One thing that the law cannot do. It's really sad when people attempt to use the law of God for something other than its intended purpose. We often hear someone say something like this, I have to quit doing this or that, then I'll come to God. Or you'll hear someone say something like this, well, I'm not such a bad person. I have never done this or that. In other words, they're trying to turn God, turn their faith into legalism, something that they can accomplish on their own, and they cannot. It is legalism. It is an attempt to use the law for its unintended purpose. Legalism is using a set of rules or laws of God to justify oneself. We can never be justified in saying, I've never killed anyone. I've never committed a mur murder. That doesn't justify us at all. The purpose of the law of God is to reveal sin because we consistently fall short of it. You see, one has to keep all the laws and they have to keep them all the time, which no one can do. We all fall short of that. It shows man's need for righteousness apart from himself. It was to show man's need for God's mercy and grace, especially when we apply it the way Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember, he talked about now, even our thoughts break God's laws, our thought pattern. And that's in uh, Matthew 5 through 7, if you want to read that later today. But then he goes on in verse 20, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. There's no flesh. No flesh can be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Pretty straightforward. The purpose of the law is to bring knowledge of sin because apart from the law, we wouldn't know what sin is. Then he goes on in verse 21, he says, but now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all 
and upon all them that believe. There is no difference. And the no difference is, is no difference between Jew or Gentile. They all have to come by faith. And this is the only way to salvation. This is the good news. I've been leading up to for the last months talking about sin and the law. But notice there, that first two words there in that passage there, it says, but now. But now denotes a, a division, a contrast. And Barnhill calls this division razor sharp in separation for what was before, which is between what it was before and what is now and rightfully so, it suggests that contrast of what was said before, in fact, it is a major division between what was said before and what is said after. If you remember up to this point, we've talked about all the different groups of people that Paul identified, they're all under sin. Even those that claim to be the keepers of the law, they're under sin. Even those that claim, you know, their own self-righteousness, they're under sin. The righteousness of God is manifest without the law, he says in verse 21. The righteousness of God is manifest. That word manifest just means revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed without the law. Will God surprise in missions? This is a surprising statement, especially for the Jews. He gave the law according to his righteousness that no one could keep in order to show his righteousness without the law. Let me read that once again. Will God surprise in missions? Yes. He gave a law according to his righteousness that no one could keep in order to show his righteousness without the law. That is surprising. At this time Paul was writing this, this would have been like an earthquake to the Jews. It would have been a shaking of their, the foundation of their belief because they, everything they knew about God was bound up in the law. Everything they practiced about God was found in the law. In fact, not only did they see themselves as bound by the law, but they also saw God as being bound by the law. And if you can think about the, the, just the logic of that, the lawgiver is bound by the law that he gives. In order to judge righteous, righteously, he can't just dismiss something that he has written as law. We see here that the righteousness does not begin and end in the law. God's righteousness is contained simply by the law. 
And Paul introduces that here. He says, there's a righteousness of God that's without the law. There is more to his righteousness than that which is contained in the law. This manifest or revealed righteousness was not hidden. He goes on to say in verse 21, it says, it was witnessed by the law and the prophets. Look with me in John chapter 5, and we'll learn how Jesus talked about this. Jesus is talking um, with the uh, Pharisees, and they want to kill him because he said of himself that he's the Son of God. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 39. He says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. So Jesus says, you know, God's faith or God's plan of salvation was contained in the Old Testament. It wasn't hidden. Although the Jewish lent or bent towards legalism, just like ours, you know, we're bent towards legalism. We want to justify ourselves by some set of rules. And he says, those verses that you think you have eternal life, those are the ones that talk about me what Jesus said. Look down in verse 45 of John 5. It says, uh, Do you think that I will accuse you to the Father? There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. They put all their trust in trying to keep the law which Moses had given them, which God had given Moses. They put their trust in that. They thought that having God's word somehow exempted them from keeping God's word. But it made them more responsible, as we saw a few weeks ago. Then verse 46, it says, Had Moses believed, at, or let me start that again, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. Turn over in the book of Acts, chapter 26, and we'll see how Paul is preaching out of the law, salvation. And one thing we need to understand is that Paul didn't have the New Testament like we have today. All he had was the Old Testament to preach from. All he had was the law and the prophets and the writings to preach from. In Acts 26, verse 22, it says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. If you look at Paul's life and the stonings and the beatings and the imprisonments that he went through, truly was God that sustained him. In witnessing both to the small and the great, saying none other thing than those things which the prophets and Moses did say shall come. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the, unto the people and unto the Gentiles. So you might ask, well, what scriptures in the Old Testament talk about Christ 
Well, probably the most familiar one passage to us is in Isaiah 53. And Jimbo, just so you know, I was thinking of you when I got to this section. Because I could hear you saying that. Turn over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 says, He is despised and rejected of men. You know that passage we just read in John? They were trying to kill him. You can't get much more rejected than that if someone's trying to kill you. And that's what it, Isaiah said 400 years, 500 years earlier about the suffering servant, which we know as Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now that passage in John simply shows that the leaders of Israel despised him. They wanted to kill him. Isaiah 53, 5 goes on to say, he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, when he was crucified, he was wounded for our transgression. Not only did men wound him, but God wounded him. This passage goes on to say that God crushed him and he was satisfied. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for my iniquities. He was bruised for your iniquities. And by his stripes, we are healed. This week as I was studying, I had a little extra time to study. I just was reviewed the meaning of Christ and one of the you know the the Greek usage the common usage of the Greek word Christ and I'm not even going to attempt to try to say it but the Greek word the common usage was it was to be anointed or to smear on or to cover up and I thought about that and I said and the purpose of that anointing or smearing on of oil or salve or whatever you had was for the purpose of healing. When we think about that Christ was bruised for our iniquities. <laughs> when we put on Christ for our healing, the healing that sin causes to our soul is what Christ is. Then in Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep are gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, this verse tells us that the law reveals our sin. And these sins are the sins that the suffering servant suffered for. These sins are the sufferings of that servant. Isaiah 53.10 goes on to say, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Your translation may say, It pleased the Lord to crush him. Literally, that's what happened to Christ on the cross. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days. When the Lord shall make an offering for his sin, are you still carrying the weight of your sin today? You don't have to. Because there is one outside of your own righteousness who took your sin. He took the bruising. He took the punishment. He was crushed for your sin. The last part of that verse says, For he shall bear their iniquities. God is satisfied. The righteous servant shall justify many. You see, that's what we're talking about in Romans chapter 3. That the law doesn't justify anybody. But faith in Christ does. Faith in Christ justifies many. All who believe, all who come to Christ in repentance and faith are justified simply by believing. Romans chapter 3, back in Romans, verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all who believe. There is no difference. You see, the good news is this. Belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins is how one is justified without the law. Have you gone to Christ? Have you come to Christ for your justification? If not, do it today. Do it right now, right where you are. Turn to Christ in repentance and faith. Do it today. Don't delay. So let's stand and we'll pray and then we'll sing our last song. Father, again, we thank you. Father, we praise you and we worship you and we honor you and we glorify you that you've revealed a righteousness that's apart from the law. 
Father, no amount of good deeds, no amount of good of our own making can ever reach your righteousness. And Father, we thank you that you freely offer your righteousness to all who believe, all who believe in Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection, all who make him Lord of their life. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for that. And Father, we ask now that whoever hears your word today, wherever it's preached, we ask that you would save many people. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would go and do that work that only he does and change hearts, give new hearts. And Father, we ask not for our sake, but for your sake, for Jesus' sake. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.